This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Well, hello, everybody. It's Jeremy Myers, your teacher for the One Verse Podcast. Thank you for joining me in this episode. In this episode, we're going to be looking at 1 John 1, 9, and whether or not it is necessary, required, to confess your sins in order to receive forgiveness from God. Now, you might say, Jeremy, it says right in the verse that we do, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, so therefore, logically, if we don't confess, then he won't forgive us, right? Well, that is what we're going to discuss today. And the answer is not as straightforward as you might assume. Now, before we get to that study, I do want to invite you to join my online discipleship group. Today's study from 1 John 1.9 comes from my Gospel Dictionary online course. That online course looks at 52 keywords of the Gospel. One of them is the word confess. And so that entry, that lesson in the Gospel Dictionary online course... Uh, We look at the word confess, what it means, we define it, and then we look at several passages from Scripture where this definition of the word confess helps us better understand that passage and apply it to our lives. So, if you want to learn more about the word confess or one of these other 52 keywords of the gospel, just join my online discipleship group, and then you can take that course at no extra charge course usually sells for about $300, but there's no additional charge once you become a member of the discipleship group. There's hundreds of hours of audio teaching. You can also download the PDFs. You get free eBooks. You get uh, weekly Facebook, or I'm sorry, monthly Facebook live chats, uh, contacts with me and and a secret Facebook group, all sorts of benefits for joining the discipleship group to encourage you in your walk with Jesus, answer your questions, and help you know that you are not alone. Something you want to check out, just go to redeeminggod.com slash join, and more details will be found there. Sounds good? Okay, let's get on with our study then of 1 John 1, 9. So just to summarize once again, 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right, so most people, as they read this, they think, well, if I want to be forgiven of my sins, this means I need to confess them. In fact, there was a time when I was in Bible college, I had a little day planner, and at the top of every single sheet in my day planner for the entire year, I wrote 1 John 1.9. I wrote it out, 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins. I just wrote that on there because I wanted to make sure that every day as I started my day and then every day as I finished my day, somewhere in there, I was thinking through the previous 24 hours, thinking of any sins that I might have committed so that I could confess them to God and therefore be forgiven of them. (laughs) Uh, I believed that unless I confessed my sins, God would not Forgive me. 
And so there's lots of people who feel the same way. And so they get all caught up in, in, in keeping lists of sins and thinking through the sins they might have committed, bad thoughts, bad words, bad deeds, you know, anything that they might have done wrong. And then, then they confess it to God. And there are some people live in perpetual fear that if they forget to confess a sin, that therefore they won't be forgiven of it. And so that when they die, they will go to, go to hell. And that is a terrible, terrible way to live. Thankfully, when I was in Bible college, at that time, I believed in eternal security. And so, although I felt it was necessary to confess my sins in order to receive forgiveness, I didn't think that if I forgot, that would mean I would, I would be headed for hell. I thought some other things might happen to me during this life, or maybe in, at the judgment seat of Christ or something like that. Um, but, uh, I have talked with many, many people. I get emails from people all the time who have this fear that if they forget to confess or repent of a certain sin, God won't forgive them. And when they die, they will end up in hell. And that is a terrible way to live. And first John one nine is one of the verses that makes people think that. So what we want to do is understand what John, the apostle John meant when he wrote this verse, first John one nine. Right? And to understand this verse, there's basically three things we need to understand. One is the meaning of the word confess, if we confess our sins. okay, What does that word mean? What are we required to do? What is involved in confession? Second, it's important to understand the word forgive. And that's, this is going to be a huge key for understanding 1 John 1.9. All right. Uh, once you understand what, what, what this word means, forgive, in 1 John 1.9 that John uses, you will better understand this verse than ever before. Finally, the third thing that will help us understand this verse is the overall theme and purpose of this first letter of John. Once we understand what John means, what, why John is writing this letter, uh, then that will also help us understand 1 John 1.9 as well. Okay, so let's look at those three ideas. First, the meaning of the word confess. Uh, the word confess here in 1 John 1, 9 comes from uh, the Greek word homologeo, and it literally means to say the same thing. All right, logeo is, is the word for word or to say, and then homo means the same. All right, so uh, homosexuality, right? Someone who loves someone of the same sex. A homologeo, to say the same thing. So uh, basically, it, it's not just to repeat God's words after him, though. It's not like, not like we're parrots. God says one thing and we repeat it back. Homologeo, to confess, is to admit, proclaim, declare, nod our heads in agreement with what God is pointing out to us. All right, so it's like if we're in a conversation with God or we're reading scripture or something like that, uh, and we're praying and we feel God say something to us, we read a truth in scripture, confession, confess, agreeing, homologeo is saying, yes, God, I agree with this. All right, I agree with what you're saying. God, you are right. And when there's areas of disagreement, I am wrong. All right. So for this, for this, in this way, I would sort of argue that uh, maybe the best translation for homologo is agree, you know, because confess sort of gets this idea of you're only confessing bad things or confessing sins. When really, when you look at the word confession all the way throughout Scripture, there's all sorts of of way of things we can agree with God about that have nothing whatsoever to do with sin. The word homologo is used all over the place in the New Testament and the Bible in general for things that God wants us to be in agreement with him about, okay? And very few of them uh, have anything to do with sin. So what does the word confess mean? Well, it means to agree with God uh, about anything, anything he says, 
All right, so there's lots of truths we can agree with God about, that Jesus is the Messiah, um, you know, that uh, that Jesus is coming again. And, and of course, here in the context of 1 John 1, 9, we can agree with God about what he is showing regarding our sin. All right, and we'll get to that, what that is and how that works in just a minute. Now, I do want to point this out. Confession of sin is not required to receive eternal life. I know that might be a shocking statement to some people, uh, but there's no verse in the Bible that says you need to confess your sins in order to receive eternal life. You're not going to find it. All right? Confession of sins is not a condition for receiving. If you want to receive eternal life, Jesus says, Paul says, everybody in the Bible says, just believe in Jesus for it. Faith alone in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life, for justification, okay? So uh, that's important as we're talking here about confession. So, um, and it's, it's, it's also makes sense because if you are agreeing with God about your sin, then inherent in there is this idea of turning from your sin. And then when we turn from our sin, this is a good work. And so if, if confession and turning and, and, and committing good deeds instead of the bad deeds is how you receive eternal life, well, then you are working your way into heaven. You are gaining and earning eternal life by your own effort. And uh, that's not how we gain eternal life. Eternal life is by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Now, having said that, all right, we don't teach fire insurance either. Once you gain eternal life by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us, and, and God starts to mold us and shape us and form us, even break us and, 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 and burn us, refine us with his refining fire, in a sense, to make us more and more like Jesus Christ, to help us to become who he wants. And this is where confession enters into the life of the Christian. Uh, he's teaching us things we need to learn, and so we confess, we agree. Yes, God, that's correct. The way I used to believe, that's incorrect. So we are agreeing with God and changing our beliefs. Uh, and then when, when, when the Holy Spirit convicts us of some sin, we then can also agree with what he has revealed to us. Okay, So this confession, this agreeing with God about what he's revealing to us, whether it's what we're supposed to believe or how we're supposed to behave, all right, all of that is an aspect of sanctification, of becoming more like Jesus. It's a, it's a process that we undertake as a member of the family of God, as someone who has eternal life, so that we can experience that eternal life to a higher degree. All right, so that's confession, and that's basically what the Bible teaches about confession. It means agree, and we can agree with God about anything, anything he teaches, theology, some Bible verse, uh, or even what he's revealing to us about our sin. All right, that's the word confess, and uh, that's the first key to help us under, understand 1 John 1, 9. The second key, and this one's probably the most important, is we need to understand the word forgive. Lots of people think they know what the Bible means by forgiveness, <laughs> uh, but we don't. Most people don't. The truth of the matter is, and if you've listened to some of my podcasts or taken some of my courses, read some of my books, or even read some of my blog posts, you might have run across this idea in the past. Uh, most people do not realize that there are two words in the Bible for forgiveness. And unhelpfully, both get translated as forgiveness or forgive in many of our English translations. Uh, but they don't mean the same thing at all. They both get translated as forgive, but uh, they, they really mean different things. Sort of like the word love, 
All right, there's four loves, four Greek words for love. Only three are in our New Testament, uh, but many of them get translated as love. So this is one of those places where it's helpful to dig into the Greek and find out what Greek word is behind the English word that you're trying to read. I would encourage you to do this anytime you see the word forgive or forgiveness in the Bible. Uh, the two words are charizomai, um, and you can, if you know anything about Greek, you hear the 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 uh, prefix, or not the prefix, the, the root word charis, which is grace there at the beginning. Uh, and so charizomai is the free and gracious forgiveness of God. You look up this word and how it's used, what it teaches about forgiveness in the Bible, and we discover that this type of forgiveness, God freely extends to all people throughout all time, around all the world, whether they're a Christian or not. Okay, God has freely forgiven by his grace all people of all their sins, past, present, and future. And because this type of forgiveness is based on God's grace, there are absolutely no strings attached, no conditions, no limits of any kind. And that's why God has freely extended this grace. And this grace, this forgiveness, this charizomai forgiveness, was even extended to people before Jesus ever came on the scene. Okay, Jesus did not buy forgiveness from God. Right? God has always forgiven all people of all their sins, past, present, future, throughout all time, around all the world. All right, That is charizomai forgiveness, and it's taught in various places in the New Testament. The second type of forgiveness is aphasis forgiveness. This is the other Greek word, aphasis. And it could be translated as, as release or um, deliverance, something like that. Okay, And this type of forgiveness is sort of the opposite of forgiveness. Uh, I'm sorry, of charizomai forgiveness. This type of aphasis forgiveness is sort of the, the opposite of charizomai forgiveness. It's still forgiveness, but this type of forgiveness is, it has conditions, for example. There's always conditions attached. A and um, a lot of times these conditions are some sort of human activity. Um, you know, uh, if, if we want to be forgiven, then we need to forgive others, sort of a thing. And here in 1 John 1, 9, if we want to be forgiven, we need to confess our sins, that sort of a thing. When you study these, these aphasis forgiveness passages, you'll discover that they're all focused on human beings breaking free from their bondage and addiction to sin. All right? So here's what happens. Here's how the two types of forgiveness work together. God freely forgives all people of all their sins. All right? But <laughs> even though you are forgiven by God of all your sins, freely, past, present, and future sins, every sin you have committed, are committing, and will commit, that doesn't mean that you experience deliverance from those sins. Maybe you are addicted to some sort of sin. Maybe you have a a sinful pattern or habit that you just can't break. And you might be saying, well, am I forgiven of this or not? Well, yes, God has forgiven you of it, but you have not experienced, come to experience the aphasis forgiveness, the release, the deliverance from that sin, because, partly because, you have not fulfilled the conditions to receive it. All right? And so there's lots of conditions involved, 
And I'm not going to get into a lot of those conditions. One of them, of course, is repentance. Repentance, anytime you see repentance and forgiveness uh, in the same context, you can, you can bet the house that that is a face's forgiveness in view there. The same thing is going on here in 1 John 1.9, which we'll get to in a little bit. But we've, we've studied the word confess. We've seen that it means agree. Now we've studied, looked briefly at the word forgiveness and seen that this is a phasis forgiveness that John has in view, not the charizomai forgiveness. So therefore, it makes sense that there is a condition, confession, the condition of confession to receive this type of forgiveness. Now, thirdly, the third key to understand 1 John 1.9 is to look at the overall theme of 1 John. There's some commentaries and teachers and pastors and authors out there who will say that, for, that the book of 1 John is about tests of life, right? And so they will say, if you want to know whether you're really a Christian, if you want to know whether you really have eternal life, then you need to read 1 John and look at the various tests of life to see whether they're true or not of you. And if they're not true, then you should probably doubt whether or not you truly are a Christian. All right? I strongly object to that way of reading 1 John. That is not what 1 John is about. Instead, 1 John, as John himself says, as he writes off the letter, or as he starts off the letter, John is saying, look, we have fellowship with Jesus, with, with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. And I want you, my readers, to share in this fellowship with me. And so I am going to write this letter to tell you how. But what's John talking about? When he talks about fellowship, that's another word for friendship. He's saying, look, I'm friends with God. I was friends with Jesus. And I am friends with Jesus. And I know that you all, uh, readers, want to be friends with Jesus too. Well, guess what? If you're my friend, then you're a friend with Jesus. And I want to tell us how we can all be friends. When you read about the word fellowship in 1 John, think of friendship, all right? Now, how is friendship different than a relationship? Well, it's very different, isn't it? You can have a relationship with somebody, but not have fellowship. For example, if you got in an argument with a parent or a child, and maybe you are estranged from them, maybe... Maybe you haven't talked to them. This was a very serious argument, and you haven't talked to them in a year or two years or three years or 20 or 30 years. All of us have heard stories of, of, of people that this has happened to, and some of us have experienced this ourselves. So let me ask you, are you still related to that parent or that child? Of course you are. They were born to you. You were born to them. There's an eternal bond of blood. The family relationship is intact. It, it, nothing can break that. Nothing can do it. You can't go back in history. Even if you were to change your last name, or they were to change their last name, or they were to write you out of their will, or whatever, okay? Nothing can go back to the past and erase the reality of that relationship. So even though you have a relationship with them, though, guess what? You don't have any fellowship. You see the difference? Fellowship is when you hang out with people and you love spending time with them and you talk on the phone because you miss them and you want to hear what's going on in their life and you want them to hear uh, what's, what's going on in your life. And you write letters and you send emails and you text and you call and you get together with the holidays and for birthdays and Christmas and Thanksgiving and you know whatever other holidays you might celebrate. And you get together on the weekends and you go watch movies, okay? That is fellowship. Right? So it's very possible to have a relationship with somebody and not have fellowship. 
And so John, when he's writing his letters, he's writing it to Christians. He says, I know you have a relationship with God. You are children of God, but you want to have fellowship with God. You want to have fellowship with us. And so I am writing this letter to tell you how to have this fellowship. That is what 1 John is all about. It's how to have fellowship with God and with other Christians, which we all need, don't we? Especially with other Christians. Sometimes we don't want to spend time with other Christians. Well, 1 John is going to help us uh, figure that out so that we can be friends with the people in our family, our eternal family, within the family of God. 1 John is not about tests of life, how to determine whether or not you're really a Christian. It is about instructions for fellowship, how to abide, that's a key word in 1 John, abide or remain in the same room with God and with Jesus, and enjoy it, all right? That's what 1 John is all about. All right, so taking those three keys, the word confess means agree. And this is a facis forgiveness so that you and I can break free from the addicting and enslaving power of sin in our lives. And it's all about fellowship, how to have fellowship with God. Those three keys are going to help us understand 1 John. What does 1 John 1.9 say? Let me read it again. If we confess our sins, right, if we agree with what he's revealed to us about our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us to help release us, help set us free from our sins so that we will be cleansed from all unrighteousness. You see how much of a difference these three keys help us with 1 John 1.9? Look, if you're in a relationship with somebody, let's go back to my example of you have a child uh, that has not talked to you in many, many years. Let's say three years. Well, you have a relationship with them. But something needs to happen before fellowship can be restored. Maybe you wronged them. Maybe they wronged you. Either way, the fellowship cannot even begin to be restored until whoever wronged the other one owns up to it, confesses, right? Agrees that they hurt and wronged the other person. So that's why in this book about fellowship with God and with each other, John begins, very first thing, hey guys, people reading this, listen, when you wrong God and he points it out to you by his spirit, through scripture, through other Christians, right? You have choice. You have two choices. You you can either deny that you've done anything wrong, in which case you're a liar. (laughs) That's what John says. Or you can agree with God and what he's revealed. You can confess. Yeah, God, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have thought that. You're right, God. I'm wrong. You're right. Okay. That is the beginning point of restoring fellowship with God. Not just with God, of course, but with anybody. But at this point in in the letter of 1 John, John is just concerned with the fellowship with God. And so that's why we confess uh, our sins to God at, at this point. Okay? But that's the beginning point of restoring fellowship in a damaged relationship. You have to agree, you have to admit that you've done something wrong. And this this is the first step in healing the brokenness caused by sin. We need to agree with God that what we've done was wrong. And when we do that, 
Okay, God has already forgiven us, charizomai, for that sin, whatever it was. He's forgiven us for that from eternity past, all right? Before he created Adam and Eve or said, let there be light or anything, we were forgiven for that sin, charizomai forgiven. But now when God comes along and says, I want to help you set you free from this sin, did you notice what you said there? Did you notice what you did? Right, and we agree that is the very first step in God being able to help us break free from that pattern of sin, whatever it is, all right? Agreeing that we're a sinner is the first step for God helping us break that bondage to sin, our addiction to sin, our enslavement to sin, whatever it might be. And that is why John writes, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. If we agree with God, that's the first step for him to be able to step in and help release us, give us deliverance from that sin. And when we do that, right, then he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It begins the process of cleansing from unrighteousness that God wants us to, uh, to, to happen through Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. So look, here's the message of 1 John. Do you want to be friends with God? John is saying, well, I'm friends with Jesus and I'm friends with God. And if you're friends with me, then we'll all be friends together. We'll all be in fellowship together. We're all part of the family, so we might as well learn to get along. And the first thing John says is when God shows up and points out sin in your life, <laughs> agree with him. Don't deny it. Agree. Confess what you've done wrong, where you've gone wrong. And then once you agree, let him further guide you down the path of discipleship, away from sin and into the righteousness of Jesus, so that you will no longer be addicted to sin or enslaved to it, but instead will become an addict of holiness and righteousness, letting your light shine in this world before men, so that you see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the message of 1 John 1.9. Look, you are forgiven of all your sins, freely, by God, past, present, and future. You do not need to confess of them, repent of them. They are forgiven by God. But if you want to break free and gain release from some sort of addicting power of sin in your life, well, the first step, the first stage, the first thing you need to do is agree with God that it is sin, that you have done wrong, that you have a problem. And when you make that confession, God will step in by the power of his Holy Spirit, and start freeing you from it, and it will be the first step in a long journey of following Jesus into righteousness and holiness, which will result in more fellowship with God, a better and deeper growing friendship with God, and not just with God, but with other people as well. So I hope that made sense as you sought to understand 1 John 1, 9, and shown the importance of confession. It is vitally important, isn't it? But it is not necessary to gain charizomai forgiveness from God. Definitely not necessary to receive eternal life. If you want to receive eternal life, it's simply by believing in Jesus for it. And as for your sins, God has forgiven you from eternity past for every sin you will ever commit. Right? But we confess them to grow in our fellowship and friendship with him. Listen, if you have any questions or comments, you can leave them by visiting redeeminggod.com slash confess 1 John 1, 9. That will be a place. There was a comment section there. You can leave your question and comments. Also, if you're part of my discipleship group, probably the best place for you to leave a question or comment would be to go to the Lesson on Confession in the Gospel Dictionary online course. 
and just leave your question or comment there. That way, other members of the discipleship group can interact with you, and I can interact with you there inside the discipleship group as well. If you're not in the discipleship group, what are you waiting for? <laughs> just go to redeeminggod.com join to learn more and begin your journey with us today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were encouraged by what you heard today, that you will, your life and theology will look more and more like Jesus Christ.